0: Okay, so this one is a little unique, this episode, I, and I wanted to preface it before you listen. Now, this this episode is, is an interview with Missy Sherber of T. Sherber Excavating and Demolition up in Minnesota. She owns a business with her husband, two businesses, an excavating and demolition company, and then a dumpster company. She is a, you know, I, I would say a public figure in this industry. She reaches a lot of people every single week, is arguably one of the most inspirational people in the industry, I think, especially for women in the industry. And I've heard throughout my travels, a lot of negative things about Missy. And I think a lot of it is just from ignorance. I think people don't understand how much she actually does on a day-to-day basis. And, and I think it's a lot of it is because, you know, one, she's a woman and two, because she works with her husband at their company. So I came into this and, and those, Misconceptions have really pissed me off because I know Missy very well. I know Trevor well. I've I've visited their job sites. I've I've been with them, you know, at their home in in Minnesota multiple times now. I've known Missy for I think a few years now, and so it it, it really frustrates me when when people, even when there's not a negative intent behind it, when they misunderstand, you know, what she does and thinks she doesn't do a whole lot. So that was my goal with this podcast, I really wanted Missy to explain the things she does every day for this company and and how much she actually has on her plate, how hard she works and really get into all that. So the podcast I thought was great. I thought the conversation was fantastic. I was thrilled about it until I got a note and a message from Missy saying, you know, Hey, can we talk? So we get on the phone yesterday and she kind of explains, she's like, you know, I, She's a little frustrated for good reason. She felt it was unfair that she had to sit there and defend herself while, you know, no one else I've interviewed or will likely interview has to do that. And, and, you know, they're all business owners. They're all in the same boat she is, but they're not having to explain everything they do and and how difficult it is. And we talked a lot about it and a lot of it, I think, and and we think has to do with her being a woman and and what she publishes online and, and how public she is with her life So I I was coming at it with nothing but pure intentions. I really want to shine a bright light on how much Missy does for the business, how much she does for the industry. I think she's extremely inspirational for a lot of people, and and I don't think she even understands how inspirational she really is, especially for, like I said, women. And the whole topic about women in construction, women in the blue-collar world in general, since it's obviously male-dominated— it's very popular right now to say, oh, we need more women. But I feel like no one's actually talked about what women have to put up with on a day-to-day basis, what being a woman in this industry is is actually like, what are the things we need to change, and how us as men, how us as an industry as a whole can make this industry a better place for everyone involved and attract more women. And I'm coming at it too, from, I, I'm just trying to get a better understanding of what it's like to be a woman in the industry. I'm, I'm a white, you know, privileged male. I'm, I'm as privileged as it gets. So I'm trying to better understand just from my perspective, what it's like as well. So I can, I can empathize or sympathize at least and, and do better on my own. So that that's the that was the goal of all this. So we discussed just throwing away this first episode, but we we decided to actually publish it and then record a follow up episode, which is basically going to be a summary of our conversation yesterday that we had about, you know, Missy's frustrations, my confusion and really get deeper into this issue which I'm really really excited about so hopefully you enjoy this episode hopefully you enjoy part two if you enjoy it please share it with someone else you think would enjoy it and let me and Missy know what you think here we go <laughs> are you laughing at my intro music
1: I love your intro music. I don't know why you said it's shitty. I
0: think oh, it's awesome. Oh, no. It's very <laughs> professional. It's the finest free music on the internet. Absolutely, Angel got I it for it. me. Well oh, he's the man. I guess the cat's out of the bag. Today, we have Missy Sherber on the phone. Unfortunately, I can't be there in person at the farm with the goats, but we're going to talk to her about uh, business and working in the industry as a woman and all sorts of things. So thank uh-huh. you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me on here, Aaron. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and I love that you're uncovering the mystery of Missy Sherber.
0: <laughs> there is some mystery surrounding you. That's the goal here to try, yeah, try to uh, show people what you actually do. Because, I
1: just cook. You know that. I just <laughs> make bacon.
0: I think that's the elephant in the room with you. And so that's what I wanted to dive yeah. in right away is I don't think people online think you just do nothing or cook or just hang out. And talk on Instagram all day, but you actually do a few things. Can you just explain what what you do on a day to day basis?
1: What do I do on a day to day basis? I think the better question is what don't I do yeah. on a day to day basis? You know I just I feel like it's just to start before I answer that question. I think it's so interesting that people have that question about me because honestly I'm, I'm a business owner. I own two businesses. I'm doing what every other business owner does. Like Keaton, like you, like Jimmy Starbuck, Dylan Stevens. I don't know if everyone's asking them, what do you actually do every day? Yep. <laughs> I'm running a business. I do what every other business owner does, which is everything. <laughs> you know, from operations, to books, to business development, accounting, permitting, hiring, firing, payroll, fleet management, human resources, and stocking the copy in the break room. I really do it all and being a woman and not operating the equipment doesn't really change my role or responsibility that I have as a business owner. I think what I portray on Instagram or do on Instagram is really above and beyond my daily responsibilities as a business owner because I feel like it's important to just share a better industry, you know, which is why we're here. But behind the scenes, I'm definitely, you know, running, a business which as you know that looks different every day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it's not it's not as glamorous as it seems, is it?
1: No, it's not. And like to get more specific, I really like see every morning when I wake up, I feel the responsibility to make sure everything's handled so that my operators and drivers can show up to work, hop in the equipment Hop in the truck, start it, and go. Like start their engines, go. And they don't have to think about anything except for doing what they love and what they're passionate about. I don't want them worried about, is the equipment paid for? Is it fueled up? That's done. I don't want them worrying about, will there be work tomorrow? (laughs) Because I'm responsible for business development and all the sales for our business. I don't want them to worry about, is our job site safe? Is it permanent? Are the locates have been called in? They don't think about that because I manage the permitting, the pre-job checklist. They're not worried about safety gear, high-vis, clothing, because I order all of it. And my, one of our staff members, makes jokes, I don't even have to worry about breakfast, mama, <laughs> <laughs> because I stock our break room, you know, which to me is the most important role is to make sure their coffee and muffins during busy season are, are there. So I I mean, the mystery, the cat is out of the bag. What do I do? I do what every other business owner does. Everything to make sure my team is happy, my team is moving and our customers are satisfied. And you know that looks different every day, but I am happy to do it every day. It's not easy. As you know, you've got an amazing business where you're supporting other businesses. B2B business is a lot of work. It's a lot of customer satisfaction that you're focused on while focusing on a team. So that's what I do every day, but I'm also now raising a newborn. So right now I'm juggling, you know, a lot. Most people are still on maternity leave as a woman, you know, as a woman and as a business owner, I don't really have that luxury in the traditional sense.
0: Yeah. Well, how many, my
1: team still needs me.
0: (laughs) How many, how many days did you take off?
1: I think four.
0: (laughs) Four. (laughs) After having a child. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> After having a baby, we had a little hiccup with our licensing. And so I had to drive down to the Department of Labor and Industry. And I was literally thinking about it like that morning, my op- my lead operator, Brian, who is like the backbone of our company.
2: Yep. I'm I've like, I want to
1: put this on Brian. Like he, He's going to sit there for two to three hours. I know how to get down there and hustle these people to get me my license and to get it to me now. So I can drive it down to Eden Prairie where he was working and say, thumbs up, Brian. Go ahead. Let's go. That is nuts. Um, <laughs> so day four, you know, baby's in the car seat. We're on our way downtown to get our license and there's no complaints here. I love it. it it's very satisfying. And, but yeah, does that answer the question of what I do? No, <laughs> no,
0: no. And, and it's not just, it's not just one business. It's two businesses. It's two Yes.
1: I I don't think I share enough about the dumpster company and I hope to do that more this year because that's really where I started. But we do have two companies. We have a roll-off waste management company that Trevor started with and then we have the excavating demolition company as well. So they both require a different set of tasks and daily to-dos, but they're both really fun and have a team behind them that loves what they do. So... Yeah. Really my daily job is just to be the business's mom. <laughs> Go down the checklist is everything handled. But I imagine, I mean, and what I is, is what I'm saying the same for you. I mean, you're a business owner, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's what, where what the
1: what you do every day. I think that's where the
0: right? Yeah, for you, I think that's where the misconception comes and, and for me too. It's everything we share on social media is the exciting stuff. So it's all yeah. the the field, it's the equipment, it's the dirt, it's the people out in the field actually doing the work. I'm not going to share yeah. me paying bills. It's like why why <laughs> the hell would I put that online? And I don't even know how I would put that online. And I think exactly like that's your whole job. So you it's hard to share what you actually do on the internet. So it looks like you know it's you just running around job sites with other people working and and you just kind of hang out when in reality that's like the break in the day from all the shit you have to do.
1: Exactly. And I imagine that there's that same, you know, perception with you. It's like, they see you doing the exciting part, right? They didn't see all the travel and all the trips you had to book and the coordinating and the checklist and the branding package and, you know, you just get there and you get to share. And I wish, you know, and I hope that on Instagram, you know, and social media that we all can start to get, give a better, you know, sneak peek behind the scenes of what we all actually do as business owners, that it's not just equipment on the job site moving, that there's a force behind that force. But, you know, as a business owner, it's scary to share all that when you're a new business. It's like, you know, let me get established, let me get this figured out first, and then I'll tell you the whole story.
0: (laughs) Yep. Well, the, the thing is, you never get it figured out. That's the, yeah, that's the paradox. What, how long have you been, how long have you been running the companies for?
1: So I would say about five years. I started with just the dumpster company and really that was to support Trevor to be able to start the excavating company. He had done well with the dumpster company, but it was reality that he couldn't do both. So he kind of thought, well, I'll just kind of put the dumpster company over here. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) we got to do something with this company so the dumpster company i've been running for about five years the excavating the earth moving company that business i feel like trevor runs that business i just support on the back end as you know i'm not an operator
0: <gasps> oh my god
1: can you believe it yeah I you mean you, can
0: be, in, and you can be in the construction industry while not being an operator that's not yes. the only career
1: I feel like we need like an anonymous group that kind of sits in a circle and admits like I am in the industry and I am not an operator. Yep.
2: <laughs> yep.
1: But I have value in, in what this operation can do. So yeah, I just think the Earth Moving Company needs really a lot of business office support to to happen. So I really see it as Trevor runs the demolition excavating company he understands the work, the operation, he can operate, he can read the plans and, you know, talk to engineers at a high level. Um, I'm comfortable with that. I can't do that, but that he's going to need a lot of support to actually get the job done. So yeah, I would say five years, three years of earth moving company and one month of doing it all with a baby on my arm.
0: It's not <laughs> And I guess for the sake of clarity, it, you know, operators are the ones that make the money, right? Because they're like, you know, how projects are, are billed, you're billed, you bill on, you know, the line items, whatever they are. And the operators are the ones doing a majority of that work, either operators or laborers. So they're the ones actually making the money. You don't make any of the money, but they couldn't do their job if you weren't there making sure they're paid every week. Or making sure they have their health care right. squared, squared away, or making sure they're right. onboarded correctly, or the permits are done, or the equipment's there, and the equipment's financed, and the fuel bill has been paid. So it's Absolutely. you know they're the ones making the company the money, which is Im- always important to consider. But they could not do your job, they do their job without people like you supporting them behind the scenes, right?
1: One hundred percent. And I, I, Brian said something really cool. There wouldn't be money to make if. If the role, if we, if Trevor and I weren't fulfilling the role of customer service, sales, billing, estimating, you know, all the before and afters of the job that actually get us paid so they can be paid, yeah. there wouldn't really be money to dish out if, if we weren't working really hard, stressing at midnight, 3 a.m., 5 a.m., you know, making sure the before and after of the job is done. But again, their work not to, downplay the the role of the operator the business couldn't run without them i always say they're the backbone you know they're the hydraulic arm of the excavator (laughs) (laughs) they do the work but we have to support it on the on the front end and the back end and i'm sure you feel that way as a business owner you're you're supporting your team before during and after right
0: yeah and well and a lot of that support is after hours too and i i think trevor (laughs) trevor is is even a better example than you are of this because it's you know, he uh, has to run, he has to run the jobs during the day, but then you post videos all the time of him sitting in the estimating office, you know, early morning or at night or a Saturday or a Sunday. So he has to be estimating jobs while also running the jobs. And then he'll be under a truck, for sure. you know, at nine yeah. 10 at night, trying to fix the truck so yeah. you can get it back to work in the morning. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. He's, he's, he's doing the it's, work of two, three people right now.
1: Yeah. It, and I feel like it's like that for every business owner that fulfills a role where you're, you're doing the actual work, the operating, yep. you know, it's, you're in beast mode, like 24 four seven. And Trevor, I mean, he can outwork me for days. <laughs> I'm just like, I need a break. I need some bacon. I need some home cooked meal. I'll see you in a few hours. He can just go long and hard. And I think it, it inspires me and our team to support long and hard because he really sets the tone and the example um, he outworks all of us. So yeah, that, that's not a mystery, and 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 I'm okay with that. I don't I don't need that many hours in a
0: day. Hey, it, it's not for everybody. Well,
1: it's not for everyone, you know.
0: Going to the going back to the dumpster company, you had a great job, right? Before you quit to go run a dumpster company, that and you had a job that had nothing to do with dumpsters before, right?
1: I had a job that had nothing to do with dumpsters, and to be completely honest with you, I had just got my dream job in the nonprofit space. I had worked really hard for eight to 10 years to really get to what I would consider the peak of my career. I worked in nonprofits. I was passionate about fundraising for programs that really mattered to me. I was supporting at-risk families, um, really going to those families and saying, what do you need? And then going out and hustling to meet their needs. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I kinda do the same thing, but it's just now I'm going to my team and saying, What do you need? <laughs> and yeah. Hustling to fulfill their needs or even to this industry, what do you need? And wanting to work hard to fulfill those needs. But to answer your question, yes. I was in the nonprofit space. I was fundraising. There was a modern day construction fairy tale. The girl that works downtown in high heels meets the dirt dude driving the old Peterbilt truck and in his hard hat and was like love at first sight. That's
0: how they get you, man. So you had your dream job, I and mean, then Trevor comes along and screws it all up, huh? And now here you are uh, running I a dumpster see that company.
1: Old built,
0: Yep. And I yeah. see that
1: dumpster on the back, and I'm like, you know, I just want to do that.
0: You hear that, guys? <laughs> if you're looking to, if you're looking to get that lady, an old Pete will do the trick.
1: An old Pete with a big front end will just grab her, <laughs> grab her, and nab her. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so. It started it did start with the dumpster company and it just kind of grew from there but it was it was all out of love Aaron I was blinded by the light of of a good old gritty construction man
0: Doubts about the change or was your family like what the hell are you doing or your friends I mean what what was that even like making that switch cuz that's insane
1: My family and friends were like what the hell are you doing Yeah
0: you can't blame like,
1: them quite aggressively to the point where it was like you're missing, Missy. You are off the mark. You're missing it. And really, I couldn't explain it to them. It was just my gut. Like my gut said, there's something here. And if I apply my skills in nonprofit to business, instead of asking for donations for these programs that matter, one day maybe I could be giving the donations to the programs that matter. One hundred percent. And. Yeah. That was the conversation Trevor and I were having with each other is like, what if I do this and I actually can do even more of what I'm passionate about one day? But, you know, the family and friends were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Dream job, the dirt man and the dumpster company. I don't think so. And did I have doubts? Absolutely. I I felt really frozen in the beginning of like, okay, I sell programs that change people's lives. Today I sell a dumpster, and
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and for the sake How of clarity, your- this was your decision too, right? I mean, was it? 100%. It was a hundred percent your decision. It wasn't like Trevor saying, "Hey, you need to do this." I mean, you you made that no. decision on your own.
1: No, he actually says I begged him. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember that. But <laughs> he's like, "You begged me to take over that company." I was like, "I don't know if I would say that," huh. but. Again, my gut was like, You're going to have this dumpster company sitting here while you do dump, the demo excavating. Like, wait a minute, I can do something here.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't understand this industry. I know nothing about it. I wasn't even raised to see or value the construction industry, but something in my gut just said, Let's do this. So Trevor says, I begged him. I, he was kind of like, Why don't you stay in your job for a few more months? You know, can I afford you just leaping off? quitting your job and a big salary and taking over. But he couldn't talk me out of it. I was like, I'm doing this. I quit my job and I've never looked back. The first summer of running that dumpster company was crazy. It's a lot of learning. It was a lot of admitting failure. A lot of saying, I don't know. Let me get back.
0: To yeah. Well, <laughs> but there's, it was awesome. I guess there's been enormous decisions in my life. The most important decisions I've made in my life have come down to just gut decisions. Like just, I, I can't even explain it, but my gut just Isn't says, hey, you need to do this. And then I don't question it. I just yeah. do it. And whatever, like like quitting my job to start BuildWit, I was just sitting there eating lunch on like a Tuesday. And I I don't yeah. even know what it was, but it was like, why the hell am I still here? And then I walked into yeah. my boss's office at the time, Dan, who's who works for BuildWit now. He's yeah. I, I couldn't be doing what I do without him. And walked into his office and said, "Hey, I'm done Friday. Like I'm out of here." And he just he just yeah. agreed with me. <laughs> no, no, but but that was it was a purely a gut decision. I didn't have a plan or nothing. It just came down to that gut decision. Right. My gut saying this is right, and I didn't question it and yep. just went forward.
1: And well, did you had? Da- I mean, you probably had self doubt. You know, it's almost instant, right? But you know it's right. I have. Or, I mean, tell me. You-
0: as far as doubts go, I don't doubt where I'm like the big picture I don't doubt. I don't at all doubt the big picture. I know yep. where I'm going. Exactly. I as far as I'm concerned I'm already there. I just need everything to catch up. Need reality to catch up. Yeah. But <laughs> I do sit it, the day to day gets to me every once in a while. And so yeah. there're just some days where you're sitting there and you're like what the hell am I doing? Like what yeah. what what am I doing? This is this is just stupid. And and, yeah. uh, and, and so, but I mean, I, I snap out of it quick, but I have those days a lot where I'm sitting there genuinely looking at myself in the mirror, like what the hell are you thinking? It's not, it's yeah. not like a genuine doubt. Cause I don't genuinely doubt where we're going, but the, you, you definitely yeah. have those rough days.
1: You have those moments where, I mean, I'm having that moment right now at the dumpster company and I was talking to Trevor about it last night and I called his dad this morning, like, how do I get from two trucks to three trucks? Like, why can't I figure this out with the dumpster company? You know, and this is four years in and I'm having this doubt. And Trevor's kind of like, and I'm like, maybe we just take a pause. He's like, no, no, no. I just bought you a brand new Peterbilt roll off truck. You ain't going nowhere. Yeah, it's a nice truck. <laughs> so it, it's like the pause, like you're saying, you feel the pause, but then it's not an option yeah. because you're that's like, go, you know, <laughs>
0: What were the surprises to, I mean, you go from wearing fancy shoes every day, I'm sure, because I know you like <laughs> shoes, to to I do. <laughs> running a dumpster company. What what are the surprises of just walking into blue collar life with with no exposure to it prior?
1: One of the surprises for me was that really made it challenging was there wasn't a lot of humor or like a, a sense of Relax and connect in our industry mm. and so, for me, in sales or what I would call fundraising, it was really easy to connect and build relationships. There was the calm, there was the relax, there was the conversation, but in this industry it was so gritty and hard, it just surprised me how hard it was for me to break ground and and sell and talk to men business owners about fulfilling their disposal needs. They were kind of like huh like I, you know, I was trying to take that approach of who I am, which is, you know, kind and passionate. And they were kind of like, who are you? What are you? I'm used to some guy just calling and saying, here's my price, whatever. And I was calling and saying, here's our price. We want to build a relationship with you. We're giving back to Children's Hospital with $5 of every dumpster. And they just didn't know what to do with me. It was like, "Mm, I don't know.
0: Was it because so that
1: was a surprise? Was for it because me? Like, you were an
0: outlier? I mean, and, and you're a woman. I mean, what what was it?
1: I don't know. I think it was just new for them. Yeah. it was a new approach. Yeah, it could have been because I was a woman. I don't want to one hundred percent say that. I think there was a part of that there, but I also think it was just a new, softer, kinder conversation that had purpose and meaning, and they weren't used to that. It was like we don't really get. We don't get that close, you know? And I'm like, hey, can I take you to lunch? And they're like, what? (laughs) Take me to lunch? Yeah. No, like, but I mean, I watched it take some time, but it definitely took off. So that was a surprise. Another really big surprise for me, and I feel like it's why I have stayed in this industry in the difficult times and not given up, is I was so surprised how unseen these amazing workers were. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I was meeting these amazing truck drivers and laborers and operators who had been in our industry for 34 years. And I would walk away from a conversation with them and be like, nobody sees you. And I don't like that. It's like, I want people to see you and the hard work you do to build our, wor- our world. All your work is might be covered up by a pretty house and everyone sees the builder and the designer and the architect. But I saw the construction workers and the laborers and I wanted, I was surprised that I had never seen them and that no one saw them. And I felt like someone has to see you. And that really birthed a passion for me for this industry as a whole, like the people that is, you are amazing people. Yeah. You work hard. You know?
0: Well, that's that's an interesting thought. Like, yeah, when, when, when you build a custom home, it's the architect, the builder and the designer that get all the credit, but not the people actually building the home itself.
1: No, no one's saying to the excavator, like, thank you for the fact that I have toilet and running water. Yeah. You know, no one's saying to the truck driver, thank you for hauling in all of this three quarter inch limestone so that my foundation will never crack. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I'm so surprised by these people and they're amazing. And I want to tell their story. I want to make sure that they are seen, which was the same job I had in nonprofits was shining a spotlight on people that were unseen. I felt like this industry needed the same the same impact I was having a nonprofit that these families were just as valuable. So that was a big surprise for me. One, how hard it was for me to sell because I pride myself in my ability to sell and build relationships and connect. But two, you know, just the people, they were the biggest surprise for me and really why I'm still here. Because As you know, it's not, this industry isn't easy. It's, it's not all unicorns and rainbows as Keaton would say.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: How have you shown that spotlight or shined that spotlight, whatever the hell the word is? How have you told that story? And and then two, it's more than just you and Trevor these days, right? You, you've you grown a lot yeah. lately.
1: Yeah, we've definitely grown a lot. And we're still like needing to add another crew or two just to keep up with this work. But how I started to shine the spotlight really was just my own personally for me. Mm-hmm. I it Really, it was food. I started cooking for our team. and I've still never had a meal that you've cooked. I know. You need to because it's it's good.
0: Yeah. I was telling Christina Um, that the other day.
1: Yes. I'm going to fly in just for that. How I started trying to spotlight, I did it. This was before social media. It was just like our guys at Napa Corcoran where we buy all of our grease from. I had to start taking on that role. And I appreciated how much they were helping me know what the heck I'm buying at Napa mm-hmm. for my team. And I would bring them pineapple fritters and make them homemade pineapple fritters. And, wow. and to them, I see the smile on their face. And that was how I said, I see you. You know, I see you. I appreciate the work you're doing. I started doing that for my team. Then I started doing that for our site soups on the job site or just bringing them hot coffee on a zero degree day. That's how I started to shine the spotlight personally and then now on social media i feel like you know i used to have millennial monday which i need to bring back this year women in construction wednesday just showing their pictures and saying here they are Mm -hmm. this is what we look like and i have friends who are white collar have nothing to do with this industry who are i see them leaving out gifts for their garbage man or showing up on the job site when the the home is being built and thanking their framers or thanking their excavator and not really knowing previously that they had to do that. So I think just the little things I'm doing, I'm living it out day to day personally, and then just trying to tell it on Instagram when I have a minute in the day (laughs) to share. But I've been so inspired by you, how you've been sharing the stories lately. And I'm like, you know what this year I need to start telling the stories more of these amazing people you know, all of us do and all of us are and, and it's exciting. So that's how I've been trying to shine the spotlight now is social media and then living it out day to day.
0: So it's, it's nothing elaborate really. It's, it's just simple. Like, Hey, thank you. But what, what are the, I know it's from a selfless, selfless place, but are there benefits to that? To just saying thank you to people?
1: Yeah. I feel like they, I've watched them work harder for us. Wow subcontractors, our subs, one, you know, I've mandated that our office pay them in two weeks. You know, we pay our subs. The subs that we need to show up for us, like our soil engineer, our asbestos abatement guy, our well-abandonment guy, I want them paid right away. Because when we need them, we need them. But I think, to the value, like calling them and saying, hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for installing the silt fence last week. Your guys did a great job. They're like what? <laughs> and I've watched it benefit where they, our subs will show up for us before anyone. Mm. If we need them, they will drop everything. Our guys at Napa, Napa, um, that I used to make pineapple fritters for, they will drive across town to bring me a part where normally I would have to drive across town. I mean, it's Aaron. I, I didn't expect it, but just showing a little bit of gratitude for the work that people do smiling a phone call that says even thank you or you did a good job <laughs> it really motivates them to want to work hard for you so it's like why wouldn't we really make that a part of our daily practice for our teams and the
0: teams around us what a novel concept <laughs> and it's kind of i mean and that's that's a joke but also not a joke because that's not the norm in the blue collar world i feel like it's just everyone has to be macho and you just do the work and yeah. it's not, it's not like, yeah, hard work is expected and it you don't need a pat on the back for everything, but man, it, it, there's just no appreciation anywhere. I feel like.
1: There's not, I was going to say, what, have you noticed that as well? Like, and why do you think that is in our industry? I mean, I, there, there's not, a, no one's sitting there saying, Hey, great job. You know?
0: <laughs> no. And again, it's like, I don't believe that I think one of the problems with, with my generation is everyone expects like a great job for doing anything. Yeah, And true. we've, we've taken it a little far and on the, to the other side of the spectrum and my, just I my agree. generation in general. But I think the, the construction industry, the, the mining industry, blue car world, it's just, it's that macho mentality. Like, you know, we're just tough guys doing it. And that's just, I don't know. Appreciation is not one of those tough guy things yeah. to do. I feel like,
1: right? It's not, but all those
0: tough guys have mamas. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke that they, about that.
1: That they love. Yeah,
0: yeah. That well, they
2: love. And
0: and the tough guys, once you get them out of their shell, it's it's they're they're no different than anyone else. But it, it, it's funny. It's like no. you'll have a guy, you know, two fifty, six three, tattoos, beard, just one of the toughest dudes you'll ever find, like, especially like in just normal society, even though I'm around people like that all the time now. And then you bust out the stickers and everyone is fired up. Like that guy, he is really stoked about stickers, like no different than a six year old. So So it's
1: it's so cute. It's, it's really cute. Yep. (laughs) Or you bring out their kids, you know, you see them with their kids or their daughter. And you're like, Whoa, like, One of my favorites is the Pile King, AJ Nystrom in New York. I don't know if you follow him, but, you know, he's just, like, totally tatted, just tough dude, kicking butt in the mud all the time, and then you see him with his little daughter just like, hey, honey, and I'm like, you guys are just a bunch of teddy bears. (laughs) So I think, yeah, like you're saying, just, like, allowing men and women to feel appreciated more and to be seen to humanize them. To, to Like you said, they're not blind items for people. Yeah. Why don't we just pause and appreciate? If that's just an initiative that we could start just to say, who can I pause and appreciate today? Is it my mechanic? Is it my welder? Is it the office administrator who got all these permits? I feel like that's part of my mission is to try to bring a little bit more warmth to this industry and allow the feminine side of me to kind of show through and, and the family-oriented side. And I'm half Spanish, so we're very, very, like, loving, passionate people. Letting that kind of shine through on the job site and being okay if people like it or don't. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, I'm going to give you a hug and a pineapple fritter whether you like it or not.
0: <laughs> I would love a pineapple fritter. Going into that, going into that. I think it's really, it's starting to become popular saying we need more women in the industry. But I think yeah. it's just a lot of talk, and and there are very few women in in the industry, obviously, and very few women being vocal about it in the industry. You're you're one of them, and I think you're you're yeah. inspiring more people than you think. But what are the realities to being a woman in the industry in general? Like what like, like for example, what do your DMs look like on Instagram?
1: How long do you have,
0: Eric?
1: <laughs> How long is this podcast?
0: I can't even imagine <laughs> the messages you get.
1: I mean, we do—we get about a monthly marriage proposal, sometimes weekly. No, I think you know we we deal with a lot of BS, and and I try to be a positive person, really trying to spotlight on the good. You know, there are so many great experiences we're having as women in industry, but there there's a lot of BS out there for sure that we deal with and I think a lot of it is the whistle, the the hey, good looking, you know, the the little things or even the looks of do you know what you're doing kind of that's the biggest probably BS that we deal with as women. And I don't want to speak for all women because as I'm connecting more and more with them on social media, they all have such different stories and it's like, wow, I can't really speak for all of you but I can share what you're saying. I think, you know, what it's like for me to be a woman in the industry? I can only speak for myself. It's very fulfilling, you know, because there are a lot of men who are open, receptive, excited, happy. Can you hear that sound in the background? No. Did you just hear that big boom? Like four big shots being fired. A little bit. That was my husband, Trevor Sherber. He's also a squirrel hunter. Oh, good. Sorry, I just had to interrupt that. So he's moment. out there.
0: He's out there at the twenty-two
1: he's out there with his shotgun, trying to keep the squirrels out of oh. the house. And I'm like, here I'm trying to have a serious conversation yeah. about women in construction. I look out the window And there.
0: <laughs> welcome to the Sherber household. Uh,
1: welcome to the Sherber Shit show. Yep. No, but let's go back. I'm sorry. I had to share that with you because I felt like you'd be the one I could say what's actually happening behind the scenes <laughs> here.
0: <laughs> We're not going to edit that out. Don't worry.
1: No, please don't. So, What it's like being a woman in the industry, it's fulfilling. There is that side of it for sure. And I always want that to be a part of my message. It's fulfilling. There's men who are amazing leaders who are accepting. You know, my own husband is one of them who's just like, go, do, shine, where, when, how can I help? There is that. But there is also a very frustrating side to being a woman in the industry, and, and I think we have to start talking about that. It's easy to say we need more women, but we often say we need more women. How do we get better at what we're doing so they feel welcome? Yeah. How do we give them permission to be here? Not just, hey, you're welcome here. You know, it's saying, how do we give you permission to be here and to come here and, and to grow and to shine in your role? I think that's just as much as an important part of the conversation. I completely agree. What What do women need? And listening to the women already in our industry, I think they have a voice. They have a lot to say. They can really navigate this new space for us.
0: Well, and the funny—I um, know a lot of uh, <laughs> like mining companies in particular too. Women are oftentimes better operators than men are because yeah. they, they have more patient <laughs> patience, less less ego. <laughs> <laughs> and they're more thoughtful, which, which are all important things in becoming a great operator. And, yeah, and, and yeah. that's the kind of funny stuff I, I find is it's not like running an excavator. It has nothing to do with male versus female. It's just become this male dominated world.
1: Right. And, and the, it would, that's kind of been the social norm until recently. So I feel like the tech industry went through this. The medical industry went through this.
2: Yep. The so military is going through it now. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: They, They're all going through this transition. And I think the best thing as women that we can do is look back and be grateful for the industry that men have built. And in that, in showing them that gratitude, I feel like that's going to open the door for them to be like, oh, okay, how do I give you permission to be here? What what do you need? You know, um, how do I turn off the locker room conversation? So what's what, happening behind it?
0: <laughs> going into that? What are what are the things? I mean, men can do. This industry can do to make it more welcoming beyond just saying, "Oh yeah, we need more women in the industry." I mean, what what are the things that the tangible things that need to change?
1: They can do. I think the tangible thing that our industry can do is listen to the ones already in the industry is to have a meeting with every woman in your company and make it an open forum where there's trust and respect and say, I want to know from you, no one's getting fired here. No one's getting thrown under the bus. What is it like for you out there? What are the experiences you're having What can we do better as a business and as businesses and and even brands? I think brands and businesses have to listen to the voice of the women already in our industry and they will be the greatest teachers and navigators of how we move this forward. And, And the brands, I'm saying, hey, have you had any women in your product development meetings? Have you had female operators in your product development meetings or even in your marketing meetings and saying, are we marketing to you? Yeah. And, and being okay to hear them say, no, you're not. Are we representing you well? No, you're not. Business owners, are you being treated well out there? And giving them permission to say, no, I'm not. And then the business owner saying back, okay, how can we do better? What can we do? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest tangible thing is listen. Like open the door for conversation. We have the resource to make this possible.
0: Makes perfect sense to me.
1: No, I, I think it's just something that's really recently quick. I'm getting asked that question a lot. What are the tangible things we can do? And I really have thought about that. it's Like, you know what? We have all the answers right in front of us. And, it, and if you don't have a woman in your company or in, in your midst that's in construction, message me. I will find one for you in your area. She you can come to your offices and say, hey, here's what it's like. Can you address the locker room conversation? You know, I think that should be a part. There should be safety meetings, but there should be how do we treat each other meetings? and that needs to be brought up. Like how do we make women not just feel like an object on the job site? and And it's not to anyone's fault. We are like unicorns right now, right? We're rare. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard not to be like, "Oh, whoa, there you are." But then what do we how do we handle that? You know, teaching men and operators, hey, this is a new wave. Here's how, as a company, we want to handle. When a woman walks on the job site, here's some best practices so that we're all equal. I feel like that's important. And then asking the question, what does our workforce look like if we don't get better at supporting women in the industry? What happens if, yeah. if, we, don't, if we don't tap into half of the population? <laughs> well, what does our workforce look yeah.
0: I think well I think we I think <laughs> does we've does talked about like? it. Yeah, it's like it's workforce development, workforce development. Oh my god, we can't find enough people. And then meanwhile, we're ignoring <laughs> half of the population. Over <laughs> half of the population we're completely yeah. ignoring, completely. And you just sit there, you're like this is madness. This is They're right it, there. It, yeah, they're right there. And yeah. they can they can be here just like all the men can't. Why So going on that. Why and this is just general men and women. Why why is this industry a, a great place to work, you know, and, and what are the differences yeah. and, and why I take it, you're probably more fulfilled now than you were even at your dream job. Why, why is that? What about 100%. this industry is so attractive?
1: It's gritty. It's unique. It's fun. It's outdoors. You know, it's different. It's like, you know, it's not for everyone, but those few, those people that enjoy being in the outdoors, working in their hand with their hands, wishing that there was a shop class in high school or who may be just still unfulfilled and love being in the great outdoors. I mean, I know of rock climbers and runners who are in this industry now and they love it.
2: Yeah.
1: I think it's why this industry is attractive as that. I think we're doing a really good job, you know, or better than most industries at the pay gap. We're not there yet, but we are performing better than a lot of other industries in construction at once the women are in the business, how do we treat them well, pay them well, you know, so that, but it's really just the fulfillment. I, I think this is a great industry to work for, you know, from a fulfilling perspective, we're changing the landscape of our world. We're building our world. I mean, how does that not, you know, be fulfilling every single day? It's it's very fulfilling. And if we just lead that, sell with that, hey, this is, a, you know, which your business is doing such a phenomenal job at just... Helping contractors tell the story of what really is happening. I used to say to you, Aaron, I don't know if you remember when we first met at CAT headquarters. I was like, I just want to make this industry cool again. And you're like, this industry already is cool. We just need to tell it.
0: Yeah. That. That's and what. I'm it, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's my response. Uh, people say that to me all the time. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's already badass. It's like, I don't need to make anything up. Super cool. No. And that's why. Yeah. What? like staged marketing shit in this, this industry. And oh my, that's a whole can of worms. I don't really I want to get into, but, but all these companies, these big corporations, big construction companies, big manufacturers, they just, they portray this image of complete nonsense, total nonsense. Right. And every single construction marketing picture I see is some idiot standing there wearing a brand new hard hat, brand new vest, looking at plans, probably upside down. That I mean, it's just it's total insanity. And, and, and that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm And a firm, probably
1: a model. Most of them probably are probably a model. Right? They're exactly.
0: Not, they're I mean, not
1: even in construction. Yes. So I want to reach out to every brand and say, do you need a list of gritty models, male and female models who are actually in this industry, who have a dirty hard hat, a dirty high vis vest, and dirty boots? Because for me, like you said, that was the most exciting part for me. I went from downtown corporate high heels and Trevor to get me on a job site, bought me a really nice pair of work boots and I'm out there like, this is awesome.
0: This yes. Is- there, well, there's, there's, this is, I- <laughs> yeah, well, there, there's just like this weird thing in society where people think getting dirty is bad. And you're like, are you kidding? It, it, it's, it's, so it, fun. It, it reminds me like we, I, I took my girlfriend camping for the first time a few months ago it, she had never been in her entire <laughs> life and, and she loved it. And she kept saying to me, it's like, man, it's just so dirty. Like I feel so dirty. This is, this is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, and it's, it's that's the point. Driving yeah. <laughs>
1: <There's, Try> con- <laughs> in construction, honey. <laughs> exactly.
0: I'm more comfortable. My boots are covered in mud than clean. I, I don't like clean shoes for that reason. But Yeah, I, yeah. Just,
1: I agree. It's like that is what makes our industry attractive. The other thing I think that is so unique about our industry that makes it exciting to be a part of is we're built on family businesses. Yes. Like, so family is important that you do not find that as much in the corporate white collar setting no. you do find that in the blue collar construction we were built of family businesses i would have to say and i don't know for sure 70 to 80% of construction companies are family businesses they're having the barbecues on fridays they're inviting your families they're allowing your kids to stop at work and hop in the equipment Like our industry is so good with one, getting gritty and having fun, but two, we're so good with family. We understand it. We appreciate it. Like that makes our industry so attractive. So I love seeing the pictures of, you know, all the guys on Instagram and gals with their families on the job site. Yeah. When the daughters in the excavator it's like what industry can you do this in
2: like yeah it's you it's,
1: don't you don't see attorneys in their offices taking a selfie with no. you know their daughter sitting in the leather chair at the boardroom with them no like, that's
0: not well, happening <laughs> well my my dad was a lawyer and that's what I would do but there aren't pictures of it that's for sure and <laughs> that's and, illegal <laughs> and the construction industry too people people don't realize it's it's really fractured it's not you don't have a group of five companies controlling almost the entirety of the market share like you do. If you look at every other industry, if you look at cars, if you look at technology like social media, if you look at any other industry typically has these monster corporations controlling a majority of the market share across the United States. Construction does not have that. We have a few big, big companies, but that's such a small percentage of the market share. And even those big companies today, that's the cool thing about construction too is, okay, you go work for a big corporation, you get a salary and that's it. You might get a, you might get a small bonus at the end of the year, but your salary is your salary. Whereas in construction, right. a lot of times it's a family owned business. So you're taken yeah. care of, even if the family owns a hundred percent, and then you have employee ownership plans, like an ESOP yeah. where all the employees are, are owning a part of the business. And then you have uh, just huge potential when the guy at the top retires you know, someone needs to fill their place, and then the ownership structure, right. obviously, uh, oftentimes changes to, you know, the senior the senior people that have been there. And there's just there's so much more opportunity, and it's easier to start a business too if you want to go that route as well. It
1: is. It is. It's easier to start a business. It's easier, I feel, to climb the ranks. You know, in a family business because they care. They've been there. They've yeah. been at the bottom. Whoever your boss is has been at the bottom in the laying under the truck. Fixing it. So when they walk through the offices and see the mechanic, it's out in the shop. They see him. They notice him. They care about you climbing the ranks. And most industries just aren't like that. They're not going to see you because they're not as family driven as we are. So I, that's kind of a new one that I've just been thinking about. Like um, among the other things that make our industry so awesome, who isn't wanting to revert back to family? Our, our, our society is getting so fast paced, so busy. Never with family. And and that's part of why I struggle. Do I want to share, like me running around with the baby on the job site? But I'm like, I have to because it's part of what makes our industry amazing. Is that my driver, Deb, if her granddaughter is in town and she wants to bring her to work for a day, I'm going to find a way for her to safely be able to do that because family matters and I've been there. So I, I think that makes our industry attractive. And I hope more of the leaders will start to share how family oriented they are and not keep that covered up, you know, and not have to be the big macho boss, but
2: you
1: know, show, show the mushy boss with the granddaughter on the job site too. I think that's just going to continue to make our industry more attractive to other people.
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, you just working with a baby on your, it's insane. I don't think you really understand how many people you're like significantly influencing. I think I think I appreciate I, that I mean really really genuinely i I mean just and and it's gone to a whole nother level with you having a small infant and still working four days after you just had a kid it it's it's wild what you're doing, but going going on to the family the family business thing, you yeah. guys are obviously a family business you work with trevor we are with whom you're married mm-hmm. to what is that <laughs> dynamic i i I mean how does that work and because there is no work-life separation. You know, some people are like, yeah, you know, wow, everything's separate for you. There's, I mean, zero of that. So how, how was, what does that actually look like in reality?
1: You know, I do feel like there is that cliche statement of work-life balance and Trevor and I are like, what is that? (laughs) When do we, when do we have that? And to be honest with you, like I, Trevor is actually good at that. Like when he wants to be done, like he's done, like, I don't want to talk about work, whatever. I struggle with that more and I'll have to, he kind of will have to give me the look and I'm like, Oh oh yeah, I'll ask you about that bill tomorrow. It's Sunday. You know, (laughs) like things will just pop into my head and and I'll start to talk about it. But I think the work-life balance, what it looks like to be a couple in construction is you don't have work-life balance but you learn to appreciate and understand that that's part of it. You know, it's like, this is hard, but that's part of it. And we're making a difference. We're doing, we chose this path. We're doing this. This is hard, but it's part of it. And I think for our dynamic is required a lot of respect. And I think that's the same for every relationship, like being in business together or not respecting each other and each other's voice we both have very different voices we go on a job site we see very different things mm. and it's a it's a really it's a dance of respecting what he sees and what I see having that conversation i think that's one of the biggest things we're working on with our dynamic right now is is respect but i have conversations with my friends who don't work with their husband and they're working on the same thing you know how do i better respect my partner
0: um, so how, how do you work the, on that?
1: pausing like pausing is my word this year you know uh-huh. if trevor has some constructive criticism or see something that i don't in the moment think is important i pause i'm like okay why do you and i ask the question why do you think that or why do you feel like that's important or why do you see that i think our relationships evolve and we all need to be willing to have those conversations with our partner. When they bring up something, typically we're opposite. So you want to say something back like, oh, well, what about da-da-da? But instead of saying that, saying, oh, okay, I appreciate you see that. Why do you see that? Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Kind of like opening the conversation more to be more respectful and and to listen. (laughs) That's something we're working on in our dynamic. And I think the other big one and it's not just for business owners. This is a relationship like for everyone, is not getting offended and during constructive criticism. like mm-hmm. we all need feedback. Yep. And when we get feedback, we get better. and typically our partners see things that we can't see, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm working on just like, how do I Trevor is such a smart businessman, and he sees the numbers. And he sees the logic. You know, I'm more like, I see the passion and let's just do it. You know, (laughs) he's like, whoa, what about the numbers? What about the, and I'm just like, oh, why are you always raining on my parade? But now I'm like, no, I don't wanna be offended by what you just said. I wanna hear what you just said. I wanna take the feedback and I wanna think about it. So our dynamic is really working on not being offended when we have to give each other constructive criticism. That's how we make it work. And then the last thing for our dynamic. And again, it's not just business owner couple, it's all couples is moving on when we disagree. I Mm. mean, Trevor and I do not have time to be in a disagreement for very long. (laughs) We can't carry on and be in a fight, you know, for two or three days. We have twenty minutes and then chances are in twenty minutes we're gonna have to make a decision together or get back to a customer or get a call or email where we need each other. (laughs) Like all right, I look at my watch, like, yep, twenty minutes is up. Let's forgive, let's move on. But I think that's kind of a good principle for couples in general, like, hey, how do we move on and just accomplish great things together, whether we work together or not? So that'll that gives you a sneak peek into our dynamic, but we're by no means perfect. We're a work in progress. We we reach out to older couples in this industry and we're so excited mm-hmm. to meet some of them at Con Expo and we say, Hey, how did you do it? Yeah. Like, what did you do? <laughs> Give us some feedback. Schlauch Incorporated. That's one of their, there's a lot of older couples in this industry who have built big businesses and we're starting to reach out to them and say, help us like make sure that we're keeping priorities, priorities. And I don't know. Do you think I should share that this year? <laughs> Maybe I should share what we're learning from
0: them. I think so. Cause like you said, it applies to everybody. And I, it's right. like <laughs> relationships are such a struggle for so many people. And I'm that, yeah. like, that's a big thing in construction is divorce. Like my parents are divorced. Yeah. So I just grew up that way. But yeah, and man, in construction, like everybody has been through relationships in the past. It, it I mean, it seems like almost everybody and, and it's you very know, common. Yeah. But it's, but it's never talked about.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: <laughs> so, but, but I and think there's so many lessons, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, the, the industry's overworked. And the relationships, like you said, aren't talked about. But having a healthy relationship affects your work. I mean, it affects 100%. your operating skills. It affects, yes. you know, you showing up to work with a good attitude, your customer service. So at some point, we have to start talking about them. That has to matter. But I feel like they has to start at the top. Yeah. And we've even taken advice from. We have Deb, our you know driver, who is very seasoned, and she's. Walk through life and we have Brian, they're both, you know, older and we've asked them for advice. Like, Hey, what do you think? What about this? What about that? Again, going back to listening and pausing and having conversations that humanize this industry is going to be the key to success and growth for all of us. It's just important.
0: I could not agree more.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's,
0: that's, that's all we do is just try to humanize the industry. It's no, there's no magic behind anything I do. That's for sure
1: no
0: no I agree it is the we were talking before this how quickly an hour is going to go by an hour has gone by here we are here we are here we are I know you have a sleeping child and uh probably well and you have a husband shooting squirrels
1: I have a husband (laughs) who's (laughs) supposed to be watching with a baby (laughs)
0: yep yep but instead he has the shotgun imagine that so I I know you got to get back to your life but is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap up here
1: well, do you feel like I, I've answered, I've brought out the mystery of what, what Misty Sherber does? Do you feel like we accomplished that mission? A hundred percent. That
0: that was the, the for, I kind of, I've been trying, oh, the podcasting thing's new to me and it's definitely, yeah. it's, um I thought it would be a lot easier than it really is. It's a, it's, it's tough. It, it's Hard. definitely, it's a skill. I know. And And so I'm trying to improve, but that was the one intention I had for this one was, let's just explain what the hell she does because I think it's extraordinarily misunderstood and I've seen it because (laughs) I've visited, I've visited you guys in person multiple times. I've met Trevor multiple times. I've seen your projects. I've met Brian and I mean pretty much your entire team and, um, and Deb. So I've seen what you do. I've seen the reality. I think there's definitely a, there's, it's not, congruent with what a lot of people think. And that's why I think where a lot of criticism of you comes from is just misunderstanding amazingly enough. So that was, that was the goal here (laughs) to try to clean up some of that and, and share with people who the heck you actually are.
1: Who I am, what we do. And I mean, I hope that you and, you know, everyone feels more empowered at understanding better the role of women in our industry and, you know, the assumptions we can make, the questions we can have, and that, it's okay to ask the questions like you just did, you know, yeah. what do you do? How do we get better? What does that look like? I think you're asking really powerful questions that can move our industry forward. And if I can help be a catalyst for that, I mean, that would be amazing. And if I just need to be a fan and a cheerleader of what everyone's doing, I'm okay with that too. But I just appreciate that you're diving into these conversations that not many are willing to have I know one thing we didn't touch on you asked me the struggle struggles of running a company and I really quickly want to touch on this because I think that you could be you are an amazing catalyst for this a lot of people think our company might go through struggles because we're one woman-owned kind of thing right but I think the biggest thing we struggled with was our youth and this industry respecting youth and understanding young people can do amazing things too. When we first started, I mean, Trevor and I were under 30, we were very young, so we were instantly questioned, we were kind of instantly set aside, you know, our our industry kind of geeks out over youth, and I love that you're building, us being more comfortable with young people have something to do and say here in this industry, and we should welcome it and get excited about it. You know, that was our biggest struggle, but I feel like being young is also a huge strength in this industry. You know, we understand media, technology, culture, recruiting. So I'm excited to see what you do because you, to me, just like perfectly reflect youth in our industry.
0: (laughs) You don't have Uh, a beard. (laughs) No, no, no. no, I do not have a beard. I think, I think it's, (laughs) the industry is going through an amazing transformation right now. And a lot of people don't even realize it, but The future of this industry, I'm 100% certain, well, you know, it hasn't played out yet, but I am damn certain it's going to be one of two people, and I've talked about this before. It's going to be these younger companies like a Dylan Stevens, like a Heath Hanna, like a Chemo, and these younger companies, these young guys that are doing things differently, that are treating people right, that... Don't have to sit there and ponder a technology for a year before implementing it. They're just doing it and doing (laughs) things differently. And they're hungry. They're getting after it. Keaton is another great example. You know, so yeah, it's going to rest on those guys. And then it's going to rest on these older companies that have been around for a long time, but are honest enough with themselves to be like, okay, what we've done has got us here. This is great, but we need to change. The world has changed. The way we need to do business needs to change. The way we need to train and recruit needs to change. The whole everything about our business needs to change. So, what do we do, and how do we do it? It's those two yeah. those two groups that's going to be the future of this industry. All the other old school folks that refuse to change they're it's done, and they've got away with it for decades. The world's changing way yeah. faster than it ever has before. They're not going to be able to get away with it anymore. So, I think, and it's already no, happening.
1: It, it is. It's exactly what you're saying. It's a dying breed, but I think those big companies that have been around forever and those small young companies can come together and have these conversations and exactly. talk to each other and say, "What's working for you, young, and not be threatened by each other?" There's plenty of work to go around.
0: No, you know, and, and, yeah. What, and are, that's...
1: what are you doing? Aims that work, and what are exactly. you doing? t that's working. Well, you and, know, and and I think yeah. we can learn from each other.
0: This morning I was, um, I just went to a hotel because we're, we had our first annual meeting, um, in Nashville in August and we're going to have our second one with the owner of every company we work with in April. yeah And just to, and, and we're unique because no one really is a direct competitor. So we can just get a, all the owners in, in one room and just talk about stuff for two days. And we're going to have another powerful. one of those discussions. Yeah. But it's just hey, we're not out to just go kick everyone in the nuts here. Let's talk about this. Let's be honest with each other because it's not – we don't all have to lose. It's not – we can go no. create – and that's the, that's the funny thing is you can go create a bigger pie. It's not like we have to fight over the same number of slices. I can just go bake a second pie even if we're direct exactly. competitors. It's just exactly. funny how people think traditionally though.
1: I just love that you're helping, you know, be a catalyst for those conversations happening between the next gen and the baby boomers because they both have so much to offer. And so I'm just excited to see what you do with these businesses. And thank you for giving us a glimpse into that world. I feel like you do a good job at just sharing that on social. So I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful to know you, my friend. Remember me. Likewise. when When you're names in the light (laughs) you
0: guys will be you guys will be doing just fine too i have no doubt about that
1: we'll be with it we'll be right there with you
0: all right well i appreciate all your time today i know you got plenty going on um and i'm excited to get this out into the world and and then i'm excited to see you and trevor at con expo
1: yeah i can't wait to see you and everyone there and it's going to be a good time so thanks for opening this forum to make our industry better and show that it's already cool
0: it's already (laughs) cool all right. It's already cool.
1: All right. Have a great day. I'll
0: talk to you soon.
1: Bye, dear.